It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. And today it is presented by BetQL. You know why? Because there is a game tomorrow night. And we know that some of you like to place wagers. That's why you listen to the Even Money podcast. But we also know that some of you want more information before you place those wagers in addition to the Even Money podcast. That's why we recommend BetQL.com, the BetQL app. They scan hundreds of data points to give you a best bet recommendation for every game and give you the reasoning behind why you should place that bet get on the app store google play store whatever betql app or if you go to betql.com you can enter code ross20 and get 20 percent off your first payment it is the show that's so nice we do it twice and we are starting our regular season format which is unbelievable like let's just start with that joe He's Joe Dolan at FG underscore Dolan, fun guy Dolan at FG underscore Dolan. And it looks like, Joe, for people that don't watch it on YouTube, you might be able to see it on some of the social media clips that we post at Ross Tucker Pod, at Ross Tucker NFL. It looks like your fantasy points hat, Joe, has one of those (laughs) things on top for like a five-year-old, you know, like, like a like a toddler hat where they have those spinner things on the yeah. hat. Because right at the top of your hat is where the ceiling fan behind you is spinning. That is amazing. That is really, really cool. Yeah, I was like, I was about to ask you before we went on, is that distracting you or does it look badass? Because it kind of looks, I had to get a ceiling fan installed in here. I don't, I, hopefully those of you who watch on YouTube don't notice, but because we are dishing out, Ross, so many hot takes and and fire and fire uh, information that I sweat because my office is above our garage. So like the heat rises from the garage. So I had to get a ceiling fan installed in here just so I'm just so I'm not melting during the podcast (laughs) well I love it I think it's awesome and it goes well with the fantasy points hat we'll talk more about fantasy points next episode as well that's of course where you can find all of Joe's terrific work we are in what we call regular season schedule it's still two episodes a week the first episode we will get into the Thursday night game, and all the Sunday 1 o'clock games. We'll break down each game, both teams from a fantasy perspective. Then episode two, which we'll post in your podcast app shortly after midnight, is the Sunday late games, Sunday night, and Monday night. We do that so it's two easily digestible episodes. Can't put them both on the same day, otherwise your app goes crazy. So we will do that as a reminder If you want to get one of these free Madden codes, go ahead, take advantage of the DraftKings Sportsbook app deal that I'll tell you about later in this show and tomorrow's show and send it to me, ross at rostucker.com with proof that you put the code Ross in on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So, Joe, the key thing here is, though, we made it. Like, we're here. We're we're at NFL Week 1. We did it. I know uh, you did a podcast with Andrew Brant Ross and – 
You know, there was always, even for us optimists, and I mean, look, you and I, we both had to go head down and power through this thing, right? I mean, there's no way we could have sat here and 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 you go, oh, cancel the fantasy feast because there might not be an NFL season. So fortunately to this point, Ross, our hard work and optimism has paid off. We are here. And 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 that that wouldn't be possible without obviously the NFL and the health professionals doing a hell of a good job um, curbing the the COVID spike. Could things go awry? Of course, but we're to this point, and um, I would hope the NFL doesn't uh, doesn't get all Jurassic Park on us and not respect the power that this virus has. Because to this point, they've respected the hell out of it, and it's done a and it's done a, a lot of good for the game that we all love. Hell yeah, it has, man. Well said, and kudos to the NFL for the testing. Kudos to the players for what they're doing off the field. Hopefully, we can keep it going so we can get more matchups like tomorrow night, the Texans and the Chiefs. I think a lot of people are expecting a lot of points in this one, Joe. Absolutely. Why don't we start with the Texans? And how you're kind of handicapping their skill, guys. Well, 54 and a half is the over-under I'm showing. That's three points higher than uh, the next highest game on the slate, which uh, which is Dallas and the Rams. So a massive, massive over-under here. And it makes perfect sense, Ross. The Kansas City Chiefs, you know, for as good as they – and they can score with anybody. And their offense, even if they had a really good defense, their offense would be one where you, you're looking at this and saying – they're going to be able to. They're going to have to be in a lot of shootouts because their offense is going to score so much. So, with the, when it comes to the Houston Texans, though, you have to focus on one thing. And we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. Uh, the Texans practice report has not come out yet as of today, but some really bizarre news um, on Monday. Brandon Cooks, their wide receiver, was limited in practice with a quad injury. Now, uh, Aaron Wilson, who covers the Texans for the Houston Chronicle, he had said that. Cooks had been kind of limited all off season, so Cooks, um, they, they, they was not a surprise or or it was not something to be alarmed by. Then it turns out he doesn't practice on Tuesday, and an in week downgrade is rarely a good thing. So we want to we want to see that information because first and foremost, fire up Will Fuller, uh, Kansas City secondary. Bashad Breland is suspended for the first four games. Um, they are going to be starting potentially a rookie cornerback um, uh, uh, opposite Charvarius Ward. Uh, the, his name escapes me at this moment. I believe it's Legarius uh, Sneed. Sneed. Uh, he's a he's a very a, he's very fast, which is good which is good news. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, that that could be a a, a big time. Uh, exploitable spot for Deshaun Watson and company. So Will Fuller, I am firing him up. The opposite cornerback spot, opposite him. The three guys vying to start there, Antonio Hamilton, Rashad Fenton, and Legereus Sneed, two combined NFL starts between them. So this is a defense that you can throw on. And and the Texans, say what you want about Bill O'Brien, okay? And many people have. You can question his methods. He did fix this offensive line. They have all five starters back from a unit that was certainly in the top half of the NFL last season. So I am certainly looking at um, at the Houston Texans offense as being one that can score some points. I'm going to use David Johnson as kind of a low-end RB2. I, I'm, I'm still a little skeptical there, but you're firing up Will Fuller. You're, uh, Duke Johnson is a lower-end flex. If Brandon Cooks plays, I like him as a wide receiver three. If he doesn't go, those of you in deeper leagues can look at Randall Cobb and Kenny Stills. 
What about uh, as Deshaun Watson? I'm assuming you like him as a top five this week. Top five. What about the running backs for Houston? Anything? Uh, I think David Johnson. I'm projecting as kind of a mid to low RB two for the week. Um, I, they seem very, very, very uh, uh, confident that he's going to rebound. I'm skeptical. You know, I've been skeptical all uh, all off season on that. We have him currently number twenty two at fantasypoints.com this week, which I think is pretty fair. Um, if it is a shootout, though, we know he can catch the ball. So those of you in PPR, uh, he could help you out in that regard. On the other side, the Chiefs break it down. So uh, you know, you know what you're going with, uh, Patrick Mahomes. You're firing him up, um, Tyree Kill. You're fi- firing him up, though. Keep this in mind about Tyree Kill. In the the Texans secondary, there's this is bad news. Garyon Conley has been placed on IR. He was projected to be the starting cornerback um, opposite Bradley Roby. So they're they're gonna have to put their second year man Lonnie Johnson there. He's the likely starter there. They could go with Vernon Hargreaves. They have a rookie John Reed out of Penn State. So a fourth round rookie is not somebody you'd want to be starting in week one. But Bradley Roby did hold Tyreek Hill to three for 41 receiving uh, in in the AFC playoffs last year, despite Kansas City putting up 51 points. Um, so this is obviously a, 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 an exploitable second. Now you're playing Tyreek Hill, but the way I'm looking, if I'm playing DFS, uh, for this slate, or if I'm in a deeper league, I'm wondering if that other cornerback spot is very exploitable, maybe by putting me Hardman in there. So, um, me Hardman, I, He's a polarizing player in fantasy because he didn't play a whole lot of snaps last year, but we know the kind of explosive ability he has. And Travis Kelsey utterly ate this defense alive in the playoffs last year. You're obviously firing him up. Uh, not, not that you need me to tell you. Absolutely. Anything else on the Chiefs, Joe? Uh, well, the, the backfield is what's interesting. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Daryl Williams. There, there was some some talk that Daryl Williams could have a a little bit of a um, a bigger role early on um, uh, in 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 the season with uh, than expected with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Daryl Williams, I think you can play as a low end flex, um, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you are firing him up. I, I like every the hype has been has been off the charts for him. I think Daryl Williams is in consideration, especially in single-game DFS slates. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you drafted him as an RB1. Put him in your lineup as an RB1. All right, so for the Eagles at Washington football team, we'll move on to the next game. I think we kind of have a good feel for Carson Wentz, uh, a pretty good feel for Miles Sanders. Although... You know, obviously, if you have Miles Sanders, he's in your lineup. I guess the question is for DFS people, is this a good matchup with him coming off being banged up and the Eagles questionable O-line at this point over against the Washington really, really impressive D-line? Yeah, so... Miles Sanders is a guy that you look at in DFS this week. Well... I think he's probably going to be more of a more of a GPP tournament play in DFS, quite frankly, Ross, because Doug Peterson came out today and said there is a chance they could limit him early in the season because he missed almost all of training camp. So uh, that's absolutely in play that Philadelphia could do that. With that with Eagles as six point favorites. 
there's a chance they could limit Miles Sanders, get Boston Scott and Corey Clement some run. Now, if you drafted Miles Sanders, this is the difference between season long and DFS. If you drafted Miles Sanders, you're going to play him. But just keep in mind, he might be in the 12 to 14 touch range as opposed to the 16 to 18 touch range that he was at at the end of last year when he was a league winner. So just keep that in mind. The guy you're firing up here for Philadelphia is Deshaun Jackson. He crushed this team in week one last year. The secondary is exploitable. Just put him, uh, th- uh, this is why I recommended everybody, to, you're drafting him across the board because he was so cheap. Fire him up. This is this is a matchup. He carved up Washington last year. They, they traded Quentin Dunbar. Um, this He, he and uh, everything I've heard is Deshaun Jackson looks amazing. So Carson Wentz and Deshaun Jackson is a nice looking stack. I think Zach Ertz, you fire him up uh, with Jalen Rager expected to miss the game. Maybe you can put Dallas Goddard in a lineup or two as well, because I think they'll go with a lot of 12 personnel. But that backfield is definitely the one I want to keep an eye on the practice reports, because if Miles Sanders is limited, I am going to downgrade him, especially for DFS. On the other side, the Washington football team, where J.D. McKissick is the uh, supposedly starting running back. I don't know if people are buying that or not. Yeah, so uh, here is here's the deal. If I if at all I can avoid it, I mean I'll play Antonio Gibson as like a flex. I would like to see how this running back depth chart is going to shake out. If you drafted in the last week, Antonio Gibson might have been like your sixth round pick. That's somebody you have to start. Uh, at least it says so by the math. You drafted him probably as one of your top three running backs. If in an ideal world, I could give it a week to see how this backfield. Um, how this backfield shakes out. But Washington, of course, is a six-point touchdown underdog here. So you would think somebody like Antonio Gibson, who has a good receiving pedigree, could get some action. The one guy you are playing for Washington is Terry McLaurin. Now, he crushed the Eagles last year. One big difference. Philadelphia has Darius Slay this year. So that's a huge upgrade for Philadelphia. Jim Schwartz never was somebody when he had the Ronald Darby's and the Jalen Mills and the Rasul Douglases of the world on the outside. He never matched up to receivers. I guarantee you he will be matching up Darius Slay with Terry McLaurin this week. But you're playing McLaurin anyway. Just understand this Philadelphia cornerback position is probably not as exploitable as it was last year. They really cleaned house. Douglas is gone. Sidney Jones is gone. Jalen Mills moved to safety. So this is a this is a much less exploitable Philadelphia cornerback position, even though you're definitely playing McLaren. What about, as we move on, Dolphins, Patriots, Dolphins, 1 o'clock in cool. New England. Dolphins do have Ryan Fitzpatrick behind center. So um, keep an eye on the status of Devontae Parker, who was back at practice this week, but he missed a lot of practices late uh, in training camp. So that's somebody you want to keep an eye on. And he does have a matchup with Stefan Gilmore. So not good news uh, if you're looking for uh, for Devontae Parker, who actually did a, a decent job, by the way, against Stefan Gilmore last year, but he is banged up. Um, I actually We actually have Preston Williams from Miami projected higher than Parker this week, just because we presume he'll draw the easier matchup. And he looks, I mean, amazingly, because he's coming off the ACL, it looks like he's healthier. So with Miami and New England, normally you could say, well, Miami's going to be a massive underdog, so you can't. And they are. They're six-and-a-half-point underdogs, but this is a brand-new New England team. This isn't the Tom Brady New England Patriots. So I think you could consider Jordan Howard and Matt Breida in the backfield for Miami as, as kind of RB3 flex plays. So for Miami, I'm looking at Preston Williams. Mike Gesicki is on the fringe tight end one. 
uh, area here for Miami. Um, with Ryan Fitzpatrick in there, that's good news for this passing game. So you can definitely start uh, Gesicki. And Fitzpatrick is a potential option if you're playing DFS and want to go uh, dumpster diving at quarterback. On the other side, the Patriots, are there going to be people and lots of them maybe that have Cam Newton in their DFS lineup week one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, six and a half point favorites. The one thing you know about Cam and this, the one thing you know about about this team in general is they're going to run the football a lot. So um, the total is just 43, not a huge total, not a huge number, but um, six and a half point favorites. I think people are going to be playing Cam. I think you can fire him up as your starting quarterback. At this point, you know, if you drafted Cam Newton, you probably drafted two quarterbacks and you're going to look at the matchups and and decide what your better play is Uh, for new England at the receiver position. It's Julian Edelman, and then I'm waiting to see. I think Edelman's like a wide receiver three this week, but I'm waiting to see, because, especially because that Miami secondary. I mean, Ross, you, you got Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, a really, really good pair of corners there. Um, I, I'm definitely not trusting Nikhil Harry at this stage. So uh, no, uh, no outside receiver. So it's Julian Edelman. And in the backfield, I mean, Damian Harris is on IR. As always, James White emerges as the one guy you feel good about using here. I have James White as a low-end RB2 this week, which means you're probably going to be playing him if you have him on your team. Um, there was a, I think it was, um, I, I think it was ESPN's Mike Reese who said he thinks that Sony Michelle's reps could be limited early in the season as he came off the pup list with that foot injury. So he is a low-end RB3. If you're in DFS or, or maybe playing a single game slate or something like that, um, maybe you can take a shot on Rex Burkhead. Uh, he might have an opportunity to, uh, to, to lead this backfield in snaps, but um, mostly I, I want to see this shake out here. James White is the guy, only guy I feel comfortable playing. Let's move on to the Packers and the Vikings. A pretty mm. juicy Sunday 1 o'clock game. Let's start with the Packers. We know about Rodgers. We know about Devontae Adams. We know about Aaron Jones. Is there anything else to say on the Packers side of it, whether it's tight end or another receiver? What are you thinking? Well, first and foremost with Rodgers, uh, I want to back up on you, Ross, because like I think a lot of people might have drafted Aaron Rodgers to be a QB1. We have him at 21 this week, which means – that's a low-end QB, too. Uh, there are a lot more appealing options than Aaron Rodgers this week. Uh, you are playing Devontae Adams. We know that. I think you can see somebody like Alan Lazard sneaking into a lineup in a deeper league um, as the presumed number two wide receiver here. But for fantasy, uh, the one thing I am waiting to see, what's the wide receiver rotation look like for Green Bay? And what does the tight end rotation look like? I drafted Jay Sternberger all off season, but he started the year on the COVID list uh, uh, and uh, he he was behind. So Robert Tanyan is the presumed starter at tight end. The question I have, it doesn't matter for fantasy. Does does Tanyan or Sternberger get enough targets? There, there's a window here because the only proven receiver on this team is Devontae Adams. So there should be somebody else getting targets here, but keep an eye on that. Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, what is the rotation like here? Because you're probably not playing these guys in week one, but potentially they could be in your lineup going forward. 
What about on the other side for the Minnesota Vikings, especially you know, at wide receiver? I'm curious. Yeah, so Minnesota has one wide receiver who's who's playable right now, and that's Adam Thielen. I think Adam Thielen has an outside shot to lead the NFL in targets this year. He's got a good rapport with with uh, with Kirk Cousins, so you are firing him up. Um, I, I have him as a number one wide receiver for the week, top ten for the week. So Adam Thielen is certainly in your lineup. Um, Watch the rotation there. Olabisi Johnson, Justin Jefferson. What what is the shakeout of targets there and snaps? That's just something to monitor. I'm also probably monitoring the tight ends here. Good reports at a camp about Irv Smith. I expect Minnesota to be one of just like last year, one of the league's predominant uh, and preeminent twelve personnel teams with a lot of two tight ends. Does Irv Smith? become kind of the de facto number two receiver here as the, to borrow a Greg Cosell term, the X to the backside of trips. Uh, uh, I think that's that's a possibility. So keep an eye on Irv Smith, but you're probably not playing him in week one, even though you might have drafted him in your league. The big question, of course, is the backfield. Now, is Dalvin Cook holding out? Is Dalvin Cook not holding out? Um, he said today, quote, I'll, I'll be ready when Coach Zimmer calls my name. Um, I like the matchup for him. We have him as a top 10 running back this week. But just keep an eye. Are his snaps limited? Is Alexander Madison, the Federalist, going to have a bigger role than anticipated? So that that's the breakdown that I'm uh, that I'm worried about. But I think I think the two guys you feel good about playing in Minnesota are Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen. And I certainly feel safer with Thielen uh, than Dalvin Cook at this stage. All right, one of the teams I'm I'm really interested in this year from a fantasy perspective, it's the Indianapolis Colts. Mm. People, Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, uh, you know, people are not believing no matter what the Colts say about Marlon Mack, people are not buying it. Well, here's the thing that I that I would say um uh, about it, Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. If you have either one of them, you can play them. Um I prefer Taylor, just because I think he's better. But if you have if you have both of them and you don't want to play them both, I would probably play Taylor. But you can make the justification for Marlon Mack. Um, Frank Reich said he will start. I expect that will be the case. But Ross, you know just as well as I do, the starting running back doesn't always that designation doesn't always matter. Raheem Mostert has yet to start an NFL game. He's never been the first running back on the field, so that that can be a kind of a problematic designation. Um, but the thing is, Indianapolis is seven and a half, eight point favorites here. I think Jacksonville's defense is going to be abominable. I think Indy is going to be able to run all over this team. So Phillip Rivers, he is low on my list this week, even though, believe me, I think Jacksonville can be thrown on quite a bit, but I think Indy would love to say, hey, Phillip, throw 23 passes in this game, hand it off 35 times. We're going to get out of here with an easy win. So Phillip Rivers in this passing game, I'm downgrading a little bit just because I think the Colts are going to be able to be able to run all over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Interesting. Okay. What about when you take a look at the the Colts? You said the passing game in general. What about people that have T.Y. Hilton? Uh, you're, you're playing T.Y. Hilton because, I, I mean, he's still the number one receiver here. Everything else, I want to see how it shakes out. Does he does he distribute targets to Paris Campbell? Does he distribute targets to the rookie Michael Pittman? How do they play the tight ends? The Colts were the sixth heaviest 12 personnel team in the NFL last year, but they lost Eric Ebron in the offseason. And on top of that, the guy they brought in to be the number two tight end, Trey Burton, well, uh, as has become a 
trend, unfortunately, for Trey Burton. He's got a calf injury, and he's on short-term IR. So are they going to play more 11 personnel with Paris Campbell in the slot is my question. I kind of expect that they will, but if they're running the ball, they'll put Mo Alley, Cox, and Jack Doyle out there, and they'll maul up front because, look, Jacksonville, not only do I project them to be terrible, but they just traded two of their best defensive players in Yannick Ngakwe and Ronnie Harrison. They put the linebacker Quincy Williams on short-term IR. I mean, these are three contributing players who are now gone from an a defense that I already expected to be bad. Um, on the other side, the Jacksonville Jaguars. What? What? I mean, who is this running back, dude? Who, who, uh, I don't even know this guy. Uh, you mean you mean James Robinson? Yeah. Who is this guy? Uh, Ross, you're you're a one double A or an, or a football championship subdivision fan. He went to Illinois State. He's an Illinois State guy. Um, nice. So here's the deal with these running backs. If I'm playing one of them, and that's a big if, because I'd prefer to be sitting on the sidelines here just to watch it shake out, it's Chris Thompson, the scat back. I got a little nugget for you here, Ross. You like nuggets? Love nuggets. I got a nugget for you. In Jay Gruden's eight full years as a head coach or offensive coordinator, his leading rushers average 15 receptions per season. Never more than 22. Average. You've got guys, and I'm talking Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, Adrian Peterson, Alfred Morris. Like, these guys just do not catch passes. And you can say, well, it's the talent, what whatnot. But Jay Gruden has always employed a scat back, dating back to Giovanni Bernard. And then, of course, Chris Thompson in Washington. He has Chris Thompson here in Jacksonville. So, with the Jaguars, and I expect they're going to be an underdog a hell of a lot this year. They're going to be throwing a lot. I think Chris Thompson is going to be out there quite a bit. So when I when I if I'm looking to play Jacksonville, I think Gardner Minshew is a low end DFS option because they'll be playing from behind. This is going to be a good Colt defense, though. So just be careful there. But the front seven, I think, is particularly loaded. And that's why James Robinson and Divino Zigbo are probably on my bench this week. I want to see how this shakes out. Gardner Minshew is a low-end, kind of cheap DFS option with some game script upside. Meanwhile, you're definitely playing DJ Chark, and I am keeping a very, very close eye on LaVisca Chenault, the rookie wide receiver. How, how could they use him? Could he essentially play a scat back kind of role? It's not enough for me to consider playing him in a lineup in week one, but I definitely want to see what his role is here for Jacksonville. They have no reason not to use him. This is a team that's going to lose a lot of games, get the young guys involved. Let's move on to the Bears and the Lions. We know it's Trubisky on the road in Detroit. Other than Allen Robinson, is there a Bears skill guy that should be or could be in any lineups? Yeah, I'd probably put Tariq Cohen in my lineups now. Uh, the Bears are, are, are narrow underdogs. They're three-point underdogs here. So that, that would suggest a moderately positive passing game script for Chicago. So Tariq Cohen with, with David Montgomery expected to miss, I would probably put him in my lineup. I have him as a nice solid RB two this week. Um, obviously you're, you're playing the, the Lions defense uh, against Mitchell Trubisky this week. Uh, it's Trubisky's last chance. Maybe that lights a fire under his butt, but Allen Robinson is the only, and, and Tariq Cohen are the only bears I feel good about, but the guys you need to watch Anthony Miller and I can't believe I'm saying this, but all the reports from training camp were outrageous. Jimmy Graham, keep an eye on him. 
The Bears, uh, uh, my guy Adam Kaplan with fantasy points, he, he's been telling us all offseason, the Bears think the Packers got this evaluation wrong. They think Jimmy Graham can still play. The Bears beat writers, they, were, they wrote, holy crap, uh, this guy looks like a new player. He was dominating training camp. Probably not playing Jimmy Graham week one. He might have gone undrafted in your leagues. Just keep an eye on him, though, because the Bears, they still have a lack of reliable targets outside of Allen Robinson here. On the other side, the Detroit Lions. Adrian Peterson, oh. Joe. Lions backfield. Talk to me. I think on Johnson, I think this signals the end of his relevance. I wish I could say I expect the Detroit Lions to handle this backfield pragmatically. Uh, to handle it, to handle it um, intelligently, but you have to keep in mind. I, I and I rewind back to 2018. Now that was a different offensive coordinator. That was Jim Bob Cooter. Daryl Bevel came in, and I thought did some really good things last year. But is Matt Patricia calling the shots here at the running back rotation in 2018, which was Carryon Johnson's rookie season? He was averaging 5.4 yards per carry. Now I know. Yards per carry isn't the end-all, be-all stat. It, you can even argue it's a, it's, a, it's a bad stat. However, even those who don't use yards per carry can tell you LeGarrette Blunt's 2.7 yards per carry in 2018 was atrocious, and the Lions were still giving him 10 carries per game. So, uh, I, I mean, maybe I'll give Daryl Bevel a little bit more credit than I gave Jim Bob Cooter, but to expect them to handle this backfield – saying, hey, they need that explosiveness. They got to get DeAndre Swift out there. I'm not sure that that's going to be the case. So if I have DeAndre Swift, and I do in a big league, uh, I I drafted him hopefully to be my RB2 in a 14-team league. I'm downgrading him this week. I'm actually putting him on my bench. I'd rather play James White. Um, I'd rather play Tariq Cohen, some of these guys who are getting drafted after him. Um, I'm going to wait and see on this backfield. And unfortunately for Peterson, the thing about him is, yeah, does this suggest a positive game script? Eh, a little bit. Detroit's a three-point favorite. But he has been one of the most game script and touchdown-dependent players in the entire NFL the last number of seasons. He doesn't catch the ball well. He probably needs a touchdown to come through for you, even if he gets 15 carries in this game. How about, I mean, look, they got some good receivers. They got Hawkinson. What about the other Lions skill guys? It is a good Bears D. It is a good Bears D, uh, but Galladay, you're playing. Um, you're you're playing Kenny Galladay. Uh, you drafted him to be probably a number one receiver or a high end wide receiver two. I would play him as that. Marvin Jones, I would play as a low end wide receiver three, as he always seems to be, and he typically outperforms that. Uh, so Marvin Jones, I think, is in that range. Um, and T.J. Hawkinson, he was uh, he ended up August as one of my single most drafted players. I just had a feeling about him. I wonder if this is the year Hawkinson kind of becomes the uh, the the go to number two receiver here behind Galladay. I have Hawkinson as a high end tight end too this week. Let's get to the Raiders, my Raiders this year at the Panthers. And we talked about this a little bit, but let's talk Raiders wide receivers with Williams out. Well, uh, Brian Edwards, I think, is going to be the X. I think you can play him as kind of a low-end wide receiver three, although you might not have to because you, you might have drafted him at the end of your bench so, where you're saying, hey, I'm just going to be sitting on this and, and I'm going to wait and see what happens. I think that is a a, a potential uh, possibility for you. So I don't know how many lineups are going to be in a position to play Brian Edwards in week one, but those of you who drafted him late, you should be very excited to watch him. I think Henry Ruggs is playable as a low-end wide receiver three. 
Um, obviously, you're playing Darren Waller. You drafted him as a, probably a top five or six tight end, and you're definitely playing Josh Jacobs. Um, I thought we got some good news this week. Uh, the Raiders trading Lynn Bowden, which is, I don't know, Ross, it was bizarre that they chose to do this. I, I guess you can backwards give them credit for admitting they got a pick wrong, if, if that's the case, and getting something for them. But uh, it, it's troubling that they got a pick that wrong. But I think it's good news for Josh Jacobs. I'm still not sure how many passes he's going to catch, but Carolina's defense is going to be terrible. Josh Jacobs could get 20 carries in this game. On the other side, Carolina Panthers. You know, we've talked a lot about DJ Moore and my guy, Robbie Anderson. We know about McCaffrey. Your thoughts on the receivers. Maybe you can throw Curtis Samuel and Ian Thomas in there, although I know Thomas has been banged up a little bit. Yeah, Thomas has been banged up, and uh, Curtis Samuel had a really quiet camp, which 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 is troubling to me. Um, I'm de- Obviously, you're playing. Christian McCaffrey a positive game script potential shootout here um the Raiders are three-point favorites I think I think Carolina's defense is terrible so Teddy Bridgewater might be throwing a lot in this game so I think you can consider Teddy Bridgewater in your DFS lineups but the only Panthers I feel good about uh are DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey I want to see how the other wide receivers shake out as for the Jets and the Bills the Jets are kind of a fantasy mess right now, yeah. bro. I mean, I what are you doing there, if anything? So, uh, Le'Veon Bell is like a low-end RB2. I will play Chris Herndon, and I will play Jamison Crowder. I think those are going to be the two guys who lead them in targets this year. So, I think both those guys are viable. Crowder, you probably drafted as your wide receiver three. So, both of those guys are very viable. Uh, obviously, Brashad Perriman is practicing in full this week. That's great news. One big issue, Ross. The multi-million dollar man, Tredavious White, who is uh, arguably the best cover corner in all the NFL. So that that would be the projected matchup for Brashad Perriman. Not a good one. I'm probably not starting Brashad Perriman. It's Le'Veon Bell as a low-end RB2 and Chris Herndon as a low-end tight end one. That is it for the New York Jets. I believe this game has the lowest projected total of the week uh, as well, Ross. Never a good sign if you're playing DFS. The, the, the total is 39 and a half. It is the lowest of the week. Um, what about the Buffalo Bills? And I think there's questions about the backfield and questions really, I guess, about Stephon Diggs and the receivers. So uh, I, I think what you do with Buffalo is you you play Josh Allen. You probably drafted him to be your starting quarterback. I think he's got huge upside. I think you're playing Stephon Diggs as a wide receiver too. The Jets have some problems at cornerback. Um, John Brown is viable. By the way, I heard he had an awesome training camp. He was one of those players just nobody talked about all offseason, but I heard he had an awesome training camp. So I'm considering him a wide receiver three. I'm considering Stephon Diggs a wide receiver two. I think Josh Allen is a great QB one this week. I am considering both running backs, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, flex plays this week. I think that split as ADP bore out early in the offseason, it was Singletary going in the fourth round and Moss going in the 10th round. That narrowed. That narrowed to Singletary going in about the fifth or the sixth and Moss going in the seventh and the eighth. I thought that ADP should have narrowed. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Zach Moss outrushes and out, quote-unquote, receives uh, Devin Singletary this year. But until I see this in action, I'm going to have both guys as kind of RB3 flex plays. Before we get to the Browns and the Ravens, because there's a lot to get to there, and I don't want to 
poo-poo the Brown Ravens game. I don't want to poo-poo that one, Joe. Uh, I do want to make sure. Look, I don't ask you guys for much. I don't tell you guys. Can I just tell you this? Don't don't do this for me. Do this for you. Get the DraftKings Sportsbook app on your phone. Put the promo code Ross in so they know I sent you and you get the deposit bonus. But they're giving you the Chiefs plus 101 points tomorrow night. If you've never made a bet before, if you don't want to bet, just make one. Just make this one bet one time. Literally. Put $50, which I think is the max, on the Chiefs plus 101 points, and you can save for the rest of your life that you never got a bet wrong. You're 100% professional better. Or if you're in a state where you can't place a wager, they got a free survivor pool. You know who doesn't like survivor pools? Nobody. Nobody. Everybody likes survivor pools. It's probably my favorite thing to do during the season. Even more than fantasy football, even more than betting on games, survivor pools. I don't know why. Because they're just oh. like so easy. And people love them. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code ROSS to take advantage of this no-brainer of an offer. That's promo code ROSS to get on all the action for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in Jersey PA only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Joe. Let's get to those aforementioned Browns. Really, the perfect mascot and nickname for a team that Odell Beckham <laughs> plays for. The Cleveland Browns against the Baltimore Ravens. Joe, let's start with the Browns. Well, Odell Beckham, Ross, would it be would it be just way too easy for me to say I have him as a number two wide receiver this week? <laughs> oh god i cracked myself up uh no uh, actually i do because uh, obviously it's a very tough matchup we saw that odell beckham did not have his best games uh against uh baltimore last year so we, we actually have him uh uh believe it or not actually as a wide receiver three this week but i really wanted to call him a number two wide receiver um one big thing that you have to talk about for the cleveland browns though uh ross is it, it's from the dynasty perspective uh, Kareem Hunt re-signing with this team for uh, for two more years puts a damper on Nick Chubb's dynasty value because we know Kareem Hunt like outscored him, I believe, in six of eight games last year in PPR after he came back. They used him as a receiver. Um, I know it's a new coaching staff, but I'm told that this current coaching staff uh, with Kevin Stefanski absolutely loves, loves uh, Kareem Hunt. So I'm going to keep an eye on that split. I have both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt as playable this week. I have Chubb as kind of a mid-range RB2 and Hunt as a high-end flex play this week. I think Baker Mayfield probably is somebody you want on your bench uh, in this matchup. And I and I also want to wait to see how the tight end situation shakes out. Austin Hooper, does David Njoku play a lot? Harrison Bryant was apparently one of their stars at training camp. So those two guys, uh, that situation I'm probably backing off from in week one. Got it. Um, that's a good point, too, about them. What about um, – there's some tight end disparity there. You know, they yeah. got a guy ahead of Najoku. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's it's it's, it's Austin Hooper, who I think eh, – I have him as a tight end, too, this week. 
Is Njoku going to play? Uh, is is Harrison Bryant going to play? I want to keep an eye on this before I really before I really make a decision. My bad, you cut out on me, Joe. All right, let's get to the uh, Baltimore Ravens. A lot of people liking J.K. Dobbins. A lot of people yeah. have him as offensive rookie of the year. What do you think? Um. I'm going to wait and see. I have him a lot of places, Ross. They say he's going to have a significant role. I want to see how significant because they still have Gus Edwards and they still have Justice Hill there and, of course, Mark Ingram. I think Mark Ingram is a rock-solid RB2 this week until proven otherwise. Lamar Jackson is good. You should probably play him. Um, And Marquise Brown, one of my single most drafted players, fire him up at wide receiver. The thing I love about the Ravens is they they did muddy things up a little bit with Dobbins. But last year, Ross, you and I, uh, if you'll remember, I called them a narrow fantasy team. You knew who was contributing every week, and you played those guys and everybody else. You didn't have to really make decisions on. The backfield muddies that up this year, but you still have the same guys that you want to consider playing. Lamar Jackson, Hollywood Brown, and, of course, the tight end, Mark Andrews. All three of those guys are must-starts this week. Ingram is probably a must-start on your team, and hopefully, at least from my perspective, because I drafted a ton of J.K. Dobbins, in the near future, J.K. Dobbins is also a must-start. Anything else Ravens related before we get to the Seahawks and the Falcons? Nothing. Nothing Ravens related. That that they are once again a very narrow fantasy team, and I love that. Seahawks at Atlanta. Seahawks got a lot of receivers. Seahawks have a little bit of running back situation themselves. Seahawks are a team we need to talk about. Yeah, so um, the the good news is the, this, they might also be one of those narrow fantasy teams. We have an over-under of 49. I think Atlanta's defense is going to be abominable this year. So you're playing Russell Wilson for sure. You're playing DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett for sure. Both of them are very good wide receiver twos this week. And uh, I like Chris Carson as kind of a lower-end RB2. Um, those are the four guys you can consider from Seattle. I want to see what the backfield rotation is like behind Carson. They signed Carlos Hyde. They uh, talked up DJ Dallas this offseason, the rookie that they got out of the University of Miami. So I, I want to see how he does. And I want to see what this tight end position looks like. You, Greg Olson went undrafted in a whole lot of leagues. Um, so he's probably just more of a of a, a low-end DFS dark throw. Does Will Disley have a role? You know, that th- those are the questions I have here, and, and we don't really know those for sure just yet. Falcons on the other side. Uh, jo- uh, Julio Jones is good. Play him. Calvin Ridley is good. Play him. Um, again, 49 point. This is not the Legion of Boom anymore. 49 point total in this game. Uh, I projected Matt Ryan to lead the NFL in pass attempts this year. So I think he's going to be throwing. I love that as a DFS stack. Uh, a positive game script uh, could be in the cards here for the Atlanta Falcons. So um, I am considering, by the way, they are they are two-point underdogs because they're at home. But uh, I think Seattle's going to win this game. So I think there's a positive game script here. I have been a Todd Gurley skeptic all offseason. But if you drafted him, you're probably playing him as an RB2 or a flex. And I also really like Hayden Hurst. Those are the three guys. The four guys I really want to play are Ryan, Ridley, Julio, and Hurst. And I'm keeping a close eye on two things here for Atlanta. Not guys who are being considered in week one. What is the backfield rotation like behind Todd Gurley? Because if they think Todd Gurley can handle 20 touches a game, they're they're fooling themselves. Um, and they're actively hurting their team if they're giving him 20 touches a game. I want to see if Edo Smith, Brian Hill, 
They are the guys behind him, Kadri Allison, perhaps. And I want to see the role of Russell Gage, the uh, the slot receiver who exploded down the stretch last year after the Falcons traded Mohamed Sanu. Love it. Uh, so pumped up already, Joe, for episode two. Uh, we'll get into the late games, Chargers, Bengals, Cardinals, Niners, Bucks, Saint. Then we got the Sunday Nighter and the Monday Nighters on episode two, which will be in your podcast app after midnight Thursday morning. So you have plenty of time to listen to this show Wednesday afternoons and to listen to the episode two Thursday mornings before Thursday night football. You know how to get one of the Madden codes. Go ahead and do it. Follow Joe at FG underscore Dolan. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. All the shows at Ross Tucker pod i'm stuffed but i have a little bit more room for episode two dessert i think we're done here thanks for listening to the fantasy feast podcast make sure to also subscribe to the ross tucker football podcast even money business of sports and the college draft all available at apple podcasts ross or wherever podcasts can be found